From the Koopa Sonics over there in Newfoundland, originally from Edmonton, uh, but they've been there now on the rock on the East Coast for a few years, and uh, you can probably tell some of that Celtic influence coming in and a beautiful uh, melding of genres in that song, Kalena which translates as Cranberry. And uh, we'll be hearing more from them. Uh, They're in the process of uh, putting together a new CD, and uh, that song will feature in that CD. And Brian has promised uh, an interview. So stay tuned, and we'll bring you more more from the Kubasonics. For now, we hope you enjoyed Kalena. Dobry den, szanowni radio słuchaci. Witam was wszystkich na radio przedaczu nasz holos radio Kriskoho Korinia na chwili CHLY 1027 FM u miejscina najmo. Przy mikrofonie słuchajcie nu je Pavlina, a pisać słuchaj Oksana Budzewame na stupni pifodene.
Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paulette Demchuk-McQuarrie, Bukarinska Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. And Oksana will be along at 12 noon to host the rest of the show in Ukrainian. Coming up in this hour, a book review of a book recently released by a West Coast author, and this is uh, part two in a three-part series. Uh, we've already brought you the first in the series, and uh, Myra will give you a review of Diana Stevens' second novel, Lodix in the Dust Bowl. As well, we've dug into the Nasholos Audio Archives for a very timely and seasonal folktale, The Magic Pumpkins. So stay tuned for that as well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And we've got another tune that is new, or at least new to the Nash Holos Music Library. And uh, this is a group from Toronto called Zirka. And here they are with a Lemko tune called Tomukosa. And uh, it starts out with kind of an alpine horn that would be common in the Lemko area, a trembita. Here they are, Zirka with Tomukosa. Tomukosa, dobre kose. Komo mila juste nose One, two, three, and... Cosa dobre cosa Como ela se você Yeah. Oh! 
ти лин, вона ріже ніхто, підмога підвозить їжі питва, щоб чим збадьоритися всім було. Скоро підмога прийде, чи цукориром нам привезе, в той день з китом буде все, додому попливемо. Скоро підмога прийде, чи цукориром нам привезе, в той день з китом буде все, додому попливемо. And Helena Andrusova with a sea shanty called Piedmoha, and that has been making the rounds on YouTube in various different renditions. And uh, that was a great Ukrainian one by Helena Andrusova. Again, that was Piedmoha. Coming up next, uh, another recently new find. Uh, it, this is a group called Wysetsko, and... Not sure about if that's pronounced correctly. It's kind of a Polish-looking um, name, but they're a great group, um, contemporary, but yet uh, some definitely traditional roots there. Here they are now with a song that hmm, I like the title of. It's called Polina. Женщины дуже, Джастин вин может нарывить калюжу, и крафтом что-то в рюс у всех поратует, у всех татуется, я так констатую. Трапляются ж кому-то сказкови герои, а в тебе кто я, в тебе я я, а кто я? Социальна вада и социальна провина, але Полина, я на колина. Буваю страшний для насправді дитина Мабуть, усе ще первісна людина Та головне ти зрозуміти повинна Поліна, я не коліна Я не люблю ні галасу, ані крику Коли не в свої справи люди пнуть пику Це все пусте одне, ти знати повинна Поліна Я на коліна Я на коліна Клуні чорнявий, а столони він дуже Брефіджу зайнятий, на нього байдуже Як раптом щось, то арні всіх пошматує У них є м'язи, це вже ти констатуєш Трапляються ж комусь казкові герої А в тебе хто є, в тебе я, а хто я Суцільна вада і безпринципна тварина Але Поліна, я на колінах Буває страшний для насправді дитина Мабуть, усе іще порвісна людина Так не люблю ні галасу, 
To Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Diana Stevan's novel, Lilacs in the Dust Bowl. Lilacs in the Dust Bowl tells the epic story of Lukia Mazurec, a Ukrainian peasant farmer who immigrates to Canada with her four children in 1929. Inevitably, historical events such as the Depression and drought on the Canadian prairies challenge the hopes and dreams of Lukia and her children. Throughout all her struggles, her resilience and love for her family and the land shine through. The smells of moist earth and lilacs hung in the air like wisps of the past and hints of the future. As the novel begins, it is 1929, and 54-year-old Lukia and her four children are leaving the only home they have ever known, the village of Kiverci in Volenia. Before they even leave Europe, they must confront serious challenges. They are robbed in Warsaw. Lukia is four years older than the emigration cutoff age, so she must dye her hair and lie to the authorities about her age. Her daughter-in-law, Elena, cannot leave for Canada because of a medical condition. She has recently given birth, so Lukia is confident the condition will soon resolve itself. As a result, Elena, her husband Egnat, and their child Genya are left in Danzig, while Lukia boards a ship for Canada with her other three children. 
She hopes to find farmland at a fraction of what it would cost in Volinia. In Winnipeg, Lucia meets the Dominion lands agent, who sends them to Ethelbert, Manitoba, where many Ukrainians have settled. Lucia is shocked to discover that the good land near Winnipeg is already taken. Her family is helped by Ukrainian settlers such as the Babiaks and the Oliniks, while she waits for her son Egnat to join them. Egnat arrives with his own family, as well as Lucia's brother, Petra, and his family. Lucia, her brother, and the Karpinsky family join forces to buy a homestead. They could only do this by combining their money. There were now 21 people in the house built for a single family. Times were hard, and the crowded quarters led to conflict. Dunya, her youngest daughter, is bullied at school and decides to quit, despite her desire to get an education. Petra, her opinionated brother, constantly harasses and belittles Egnat. The two ultimately have a vicious confrontation, which leads to Petra's departure and estrangement between the two families. Nature is also not kind to the homesteaders. They must fight drought, dust storms, grasshoppers, extreme heat, and harsh winters. Lucia and her children are forced to take on other jobs to supplement their income. Their struggles continue as the depression worsens. Readers will learn a great deal about Ukrainian-Canadian history in Lilacs in the Dust Bowl. Lukia finds herself embroiled in major historical events. Drought has overtaken the prairies as the depression ravages the Canadian economy. Prime Minister Bennett briefly provides emergency relief for farm families, but these benefits soon disappear. Ukrainians face discrimination and prejudice from their English-speaking neighbors. When Lukia tries to speak English, she is met with scorn. She quickly learned from the Ukrainian immigrants who had been in Canada for a while that the words hurled her way, bohunk, damgalichin, and garlic stinker, were slurs against her nationality. Ukrainian homesteaders try to preserve their Ukrainian heritage by celebrating Easter and Christmas. They struggle to stay connected to the Ukrainian-Canadian community and church. However, the unrelenting workload of homesteading and providing for the family make these connections difficult. Lukia's story is emblematic of the struggle of Ukrainian-Canadian homesteaders on the Canadian prairies during the Dust Bowl of the Great Depression. They worked hard, but tried to look for lilacs wherever they could find them. Lilacs in the Dust Bowl is a self-published book based on the life of Diana Stevan's relatives on the Canadian prairies. Lukia Mazurech is a strong and resourceful heroine who was relentless in her pursuit of a better life for her family. When she is approached by a potential suitor, she decides that her children are more important to her than a new love interest. Readers who have read the first book in this saga, Sunflowers Under Fire, will appreciate Lukia's continuing story. New readers will discover that the story of Lukia and her family 
reveals what it was like for Ukrainian immigrants to homestead on the Canadian prairies during the Great Depression. Despite all the difficulties she faced, Lukia triumphed and realized that this land was now truly her home. Diana Stevan has worked as a social worker, teacher, actress, and freelance writer-broadcaster for the CBC. She has written three novels, A Cry from the Deep, The Rubber Fence, and Sunflowers Under Fire. She lives with her husband in West Vancouver, British Columbia. Lilacs in the Dust Bowl is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Ви слухаєте наш голос Радіо Українського коріння, котре подається вам на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанайму. І з вами Оксана і Павліна. You're listening to Dash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo with your hosts Oksana and me, Pavlina. from their first album recorded back in the 90s, self-titled, that was uh, Buko Polka. Welcome to Beyond the Blue Mirror, a series of programs that celebrates the rich Ukrainian oral tradition. Each program features a folktale or legend, as well as a related real-life story, enhanced with traditional and contemporary music. My name is Linda Mikolayenko. Thank you for joining me.
the Magic Pumpkins. Once there were two brothers who grew up in a very poor family. And when the time came for them to marry, Yura, the older brother, married a woman who was very rich. And I think he only married her because she was rich. But Mikhailo, the younger brother, well, he married a poor orphan girl whom he loved very much. But luck ran against Mikhailo. He only had his two bare hands to work with, and he did not prosper very well. Now, before they were married, Yura and Mikhailo were the best of friends. But after they married, their ways parted, and they quarreled. And one day, after a particularly heated argument, Yura angrily looked at his brother and said, I don't want you ever to set foot in my house again. Spring had arrived, and Mikhailo realized that he didn't even have enough seeds to plant a vegetable garden. He thought about the coming winter and became very worried. What will we do? he said to his wife. Perhaps I will have to go and ask my brother Yura for help. Go, said his wife. Perhaps this time he will be kind to you. And so Mikhailo set off to see his brother Yura. And when he arrived, he began to tell him how badly things had turned out for him. But Yura wouldn't even listen to him. He looked at him and he said, Don't you remember what I told you? I told you never to set foot in my house again. So Mikhailo came back home downhearted. Well, said his wife. No, said Mikhailo. He wouldn't even give me a single seed. What are we going to do? Don't worry, his wife tried to comfort him. You just never know how things might turn out. Now Mikhailo's hut was poor, but the swallows came every year, and they built their nests under Mikhailo's roof. And they laid their eggs, and the eggs would hatch, and you could hear the chirping of the little birds. But one day there came a great gust of wind. <sighs> And it knocked down all the nests, and they came crashing down to the ground, and all the birds were killed, except for one. Mikhailo came and picked it up and saw that its leg was broken, so he brought it into the house, and he wrapped a cloth dipped in milk around the leg, and he cared for that little bird until the leg had healed, and then he set it free. Well, a few days later, that same swallow returned with a pumpkin seed in its beak, and it dropped that seed right on Mikhailo's doorstep. Well, Mikhailo's wife was the first one to spot it, and she said, Look, Mikhailo, look what the swallow has brought us. Mikhailo was overjoyed. He picked up that seed and he said, Now we're real farmers. Let's go and plant this seed. And so they planted the little seed. And the seed sprouted. And the shoots began to grow. And the shoots turned into vines. And the vines trailed over the garden. And there were green leaves and golden blossoms. And then the fruit began to appear. One. Two. Three 
pumpkins that grew into three of the largest pumpkins that Mikhailo and his wife had ever seen. When the pumpkins were ripe in the autumn, Mikhailo said to his wife, Go, go bring in one of the pumpkins and we'll cut it and cook it and have a great feast. But his wife looked at him and said, I could not bring in one of those pumpkins by myself. You'll have to come and help me. And so the two of them went out to the garden and they brought in a pumpkin. They carried it in and they set it down inside their hut. Mikhailo took out his axe, struck it open, and inside were all kinds of food and drink, enough to last Mikhailo and his wife for many, many years. Mikhailo and his wife went back to the garden, and they brought in a second pumpkin, and they carried it in, and they set it down. Mikhailo took out his axe, But before he could strike it open, it burst open by itself, and inside were the finest clothes, enough to dress an entire village. By now, Mikhailo and his wife were very curious as to what might be in the third pumpkin. So they went back to the garden, and they carried in the third pumpkin, and they set it down. Mikhailo took out his axe once more, struck it open, and inside were gold and silver coins, so many there was no counting them. Well, Mikhailo and his wife were no longer poor, and they didn't have to ask the rich brother for anything ever again. But Judah heard about their great fortune. And he became very jealous, and he wondered how it was that his brother suddenly had become so prosperous. And so one day he said to his wife, Go to Mikhailo and find out how he became so rich. So Yura's wife went out to see Mikhailo. Mikhailo was not home that day, but his wife was there, and she told Yura's wife everything. She told her how they had had no seeds to plant, but how one day the gust of wind had knocked down the swallows' nests and how the little birdies had all been killed except for the one that Mikhailo had nursed back to health, and how that same swallow had come back with a pumpkin seed in its beak that had grown into three magic pumpkins. Yura's wife returned home. Yura could hardly wait for spring to come again. And in the springtime, the swallows built their nests under Yura's roof as well. And they laid their eggs, and the eggs hatched. And then they could hear the chirping of the little birds. And Yura waited for the wind to come. And he waited. And he waited. But the wind did not come. And he grew more and more impatient until one day he took a long stick and he knocked down all the nests and they came crashing down to the ground and all the little birdies were killed, except for one. Yura saw that its leg was broken, so he picked it up and he brought it into the house and looked after it until the leg had healed and then he let 
the bird go. A few days later, that swallow returned, with a pumpkin seed in its beak, and dropped it right on Yura's doorstep. Well, this was exactly what Yura had been waiting for. And so he picked up that seed, and he went into the vegetable garden, and he planted the seed, and sure enough, before long that seed sprouted, and the shoots began to grow, and the shoots turned into vines, and the vines trailed over the garden, and there were many, many green leaves, and many golden blossoms, but only one fruit, one pumpkin. Still, Yura was not discouraged. But he was worried that someone might come and try and steal his pumpkin from him, and so he stayed in the garden day and night until it was ripe. And then he and his wife picked up that pumpkin and carried it into their house and set it down. Yuda took out his axe, struck open the pumpkin, and out burst a huge flame, and the house caught on fire and burned down with everything in it. Yuda and his wife were lucky to get out alive, but now they were left with nothing. But Yuda was too proud to go and ask his brother Mikhailo for help, and so he took a sack and put it over his shoulder and set out into the world to beg. But before he could get very far, his brother Mikhailo saw him, and he came to him and he said, A brother should never abandon a brother. Now you have learned your lesson. And Mikhailo and his wife shared their home and their food and their fortune with Yura and his wife. And Yura repented of his selfish ways. And together the brothers lived long and prosperous lives, generous with all that they had, and always remembered to say their prayers of thanksgiving. The lesson of the story of the magic pumpkins is that a brother should never abandon a brother. And there are many real-life examples of brothers helping one another. 
But how many can claim to saving their brother from a firing squad? Я народився на Вистілецька, Бобрецьке повітря, Львівська область. Було чотири брати, одна сестра. Я був середовищий. Як вибухла війна польсько-німецька, ну і ми там молоді. Остап Гелнер was 20 years old in 1941, living in a village in Ukraine. His brother, Volodymyr, was two years older than he was and had been conscripted into the Soviet army. World War II found Ukrainians caught between the occupational regimes of both Hitler and Stalin. In opposition to them, an underground movement emerged in 1942 with the ultimate goal of an independent and unified Ukraine. The Ukrainian Insurgent Army, Ukrainska Povstanska Armia, known as UPA. Ostap joined UPA. Over the war years, he never heard any news of Volodymyr and wondered if he was even still alive. When the war ended in 1945 and Ukraine fell under the rule of the Soviet Union, UPA continued its struggle. By this time, Ostap was in Lviv, often making his way to secret meetings to keep informed and receive instructions. It was a dangerous time. One day he was on his bicycle when he was stopped by two Soviet military police officers. Any young man could be viewed with suspicion, and Ostap found himself with an officer holding him by each arm being led to the police station for questioning. He knew what would await him when they searched him and discovered the gun he was carrying. Each minute they walked down the street, he became more afraid. Suddenly he heard someone call out his name. His brother, Volodymyr, still in Soviet uniform, on duty as a chauffeur, was driving by in a jeep and had recognized him. When Ostap realized it was his brother, they embraced. The officers released Ostap to the higher-ranking Volodymyr, and the two continued their joyful reunion in a restaurant over coffee and beer. After that brief visit, they bid each other farewell. Ostap eventually ended up coming to Canada in 1948. He didn't see Volodymyr again until he visited Ukraine in 1990. But to this day, in his home in Montreal, Ostap is grateful for the miracle of the unexpected meeting that allowed his brother to save him from certain death. Beyond the Blue Mirror is a series of programs that celebrates the rich Ukrainian oral tradition. I would like to acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts. Je remercie de son soutien le Conseil des Arts du Canada. I would also like to thank Ethnic FM CKER Radio for the Roger Charest Senior Award for Broadcast and Media Arts administered through the Ukrainian Resource and Development Centre at Grant McEwen College in Edmonton. 
The folktale in this program is based on The Magic Pumpkins from the collection of Ukrainian folktales translated by Irena Zheleznova, published by Dnipro Publishers, Cave 1981, and also Brotherly Love from Tell Me a Story, adapted by Amy Friedman, distributed by Universal Press Syndicate, 2003. My gratitude to Ostap Gilner for allowing me to share his recollections with you. Introductory music for this series is taken from Dance 5, from the CD Prairie Nights and Peacock Feathers, performed by Paris Decay, distributed by Olesya Records. This program also features the folk song Deshoda Vrodeni, performed by Canada's National Ukrainian Festival Choir of Dauphin, from their CD A Treasure of Our Songs, and the instrumental arrangement of Family Harmony, from the CD, Jeffrey's Musical Restaurant, Ukrainian Feast, performed by Jeffrey Stefaniuk and Willie Hunchuk. I'm Linda Mikolayenko. You may reach me through my website, lindathestoryteller.ca. Thank you for listening.
Alexei Kirikesha with the Ukrainian-American group Fata Morgana, and that was a song of the Ukrainian Cossack leader Hamalia. Up next, a group called UB, and from their second CD called Homebrew, here they are with a seasonal song, I guess seasonal spring as well as fall. Mushrooms are uh, plentiful in the wild. So here we've got UB singing about picking mushrooms. Hrebea. Чина по рибі ходила в зеленому гаю заблудила, а я чорнява нічки не спала, нічки не спала, золою уяла, а я чорнява нічки не спала, нічки не спала, золою уяла. Ой, козачі молоді пуцяю, ти мене зеленого гаю, а я чорнява нічки не спала, нічки не спала, золою
Nahadiju vyslouchejte radioprogramu Náš holos radio našeho koríňa na chvíli CHLY 101 FM umístěn najmo. Cího denu byla s vámi Pavlina, zaraz předdiju mikrofonu Oksani. Ale předtím je hoču záležit do vás těkými slovami mudrosti. Od nás dál, ale neodnakova jí cina. And our proverb of the week translates as all steel is steel, but the price is not always the same. And this brings us to just about the end of our first hour here on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Pavlina and my time with you is up. Oksana will be here at the top of the hour to host the rest of the show. Thanks for listening. Dozu srichi.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. 